Welcome to Two Girls Talking, a weekly podcast with me, Katie Kylie, and Melissa Ruggieri. This is episode two. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends if you like what you hear. Hi, I'm Katie Kylie, And I'm Melissa Ruggieri. And we are Two Girls Talking, and we're excited. This is our second episode. And as we promised in the last episode, we both love Paul McCartney, and it's time to talk <laughs> about Sir Paul, because he's got a new album out. And Melissa, this is exciting. It's it the is. first time in a long time that he's had a number one album. First time in more than 36 years that he's had a number one album. Isn't that incredible? Was to that think with about? Wings? It or was so... Tug of War. It was, it was Tug, Tug of, of War. War. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Gosh. I know. It's it's really incredible. When you think about how much music he has produced between now, then and now, and the fact that it's taken this long to get another number one album. Now, keep in mind, the charts are a lot different than they used to be because to have a number one album now, I think it sold something like 150,000 copies. The way the charts work now, they've got streaming and downloading and hard oh, copies right. and vinyl. So it's, different. And, yep. so it's all different. So, you know, back in the day, to have sold 150,000 copies, you might have made number 200 on the best-selling album list, but just the way things are are now it you can sell a lot fewer and still hit that number one on the charts which you know that's not to take away from any of the no it isn't it's, it's really a cool. great album i i love this album and you know I, I like a lot of his newer stuff i like the album that he put out a couple of years ago as well and some of the stuff they did back in you know the 80s and 90s but when i listened to egypt station for the first time i was really just struck by his sense of contemporariness married with that typical melody that you're used to hearing from yeah. you know it's like even in his bass his bass lines are so melodic and and they stand out and just in the old way like penny lane does you know what i mean like yep. that's the thing that seems to always be at the forefront and you watch that james corden special right the, oh my gosh wasn't <laughs> that unbelievable yeah. yeah and you know and then he did that extra long one about a week or two later they did sort of an unedited hour-long version of of carpool karaoke and that was even cooler because they had all these extra clips in it. Like they went to a park in Liverpool where there was a statue of the Beatles that Paul had never seen. Apparently he didn't get back to Liverpool much, which kind of surprised yeah, me. Yeah, it surprised me. I haven't watched the long one yet. But yeah. when when he went back to his old house, which right. I got to do that once with my dad. My dad was and mom were from this small town called Marblehead, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Very little and right by the ocean. It's so beautiful. But the house just hadn't changed in all these yeah. years. And I remember we were standing outside the house when I was about 15 years old, and we were looking at it, I was like, so dad, which one was your bedroom and stuff? Right. And the person that lived there came out and said, do you want to come in? Wow. And it was such an emotional, touching time. Yeah. I'll never, ever forget it. Him saying, this is the room I grew up mm -hmm. in, and that's the window I looked out of when I was doing my homework. So I got this overwhelming emotion when McCartney went into the house. Obviously, the woman who lives there now had to have been tipped off because they had a camera crew coming into her house. But could you imagine, though, if like, there's a you know, knock at the door, hello, it's Paul McCartney. I'm here to see my old house she again. She still had to have died. Oh, I mean, to have him like roaming through the rooms and saying, this is where I wrote She Loves You in the bathroom, you know, stuff like that. One of the clips that they showed on the, the extra version was he and James Corden went into the backyard and there was like a... It wasn't, it wasn't a fire escape. It was more like a pipe, just like a long pipe that went from the ground all the way up to the, the second floor window. And he told James that that was how, if he forgot his key, that's the way he put it. Not that he was like, you know, sneaking out of the house or anything, but if I forgot my key, he would get back up to his second floor bedroom by shimmying up this this long pipe and James just looked at him like you're gonna do it now he was like don't even ask he's like no no I'm not climbing the pipe now that's actually a great question that's hilarious that he asked him if he was gonna do it I know he could just tell the way he was looking at him like yeah no that's not gonna happen I'm you know in my 70s now but but yeah I mean that that whole special and then when they went to the pub in Liverpool and, and they did the surprise performance and and he's done that now 
like the rollout of this album too, I think is also what attributed to and contributed to its number one ranking. And, and you know, and, and because he really promoted it hard, you know, I mean, yep. he went on Howard Stern, did a great like hour long interview. He did the James Corden thing. Then they had the additional special. He did a secret show at Grand Central Station this around the time he did the Jimmy Fallon show. Um, and, you know, I mean, just all these little things that I think people were more aware of it than they might have been of other previous new Paul McCartney music. There you go, yeah. And the, the, the first single, Come On To Me, is it's a great song. I love that song. I'm really surprised at how that's, that's kind of like his hit machine. It's funny because I'm sure that you have friends that you sat around and talked about how do four guys from Liverpool mm-hmm. get together and become such huge, you know, that when you think about it, they weren't together that long no. and there were only however many albums a handful He's been two. with his current band longer than the, than the Beatles or Wings. And I believe that. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy, but it's so magical when you think and you hear Beatles songs and you're like, these aren't simple songs. They may sound simple, but they're very hard to play on guitar. Like yes. if you're learning guitar, and bass. it's not. It's, it's Those very lines are as intense complicated as, and the as harmonies yes. and everything yes. about it. What was that magic that made them write these hit songs? Because then you'd wish that McCartney would have them every year, you right. know? Right. But the thing is, is that the stuff is really good. I just think that the hit makers, maybe even radio partly, you know, isn't there to be able to right. to play the new stuff so much anymore. Exactly. And so he has to go out like he did. And and there aren't a lot of formats that are necessarily going to take a chance on it. Now, I, I will say I have heard Come On To Me on, on Satellite, and I think AAA radio has kind of picked up on it and then the the second single for you <laughs> yes <laughs> which is a little raunchy and you know he, and he's joked about it because when people have kind of called him on it, he's like what what are you talking about it's it's the way we say for you in liverpool but you know <laughs> in the context of the song it kind of means something else i think <laughs> but but you know but he's always so impish about everything that and he can get away with it you know what i mean no one's ever gonna look yeah, at paul mccartney and go, oh, aren't you creepy great <laughs> well you know it's just how far to take it and be safe exactly yeah. exactly but I, I think also he's such a road machine. I mean, here's a guy. He's on tour again. Yep. I mean, he just finished a tour last year, and he's already back out on the road. It's called the Freshen Up Tour. He's over in Canada right now. He's doing Austin City Limits in the States now, like in the next couple of weeks, I think. And then he doesn't come back to America until May, and he's already set about six or seven dates, mostly in the southeast. So here in Atlanta, yeah. we're, we're hoping uh, we'll be seeing him as well. But in between, you know, he's going to Asia. He's doing some shows in Europe. But, I mean, he, he's continually playing. He has to love it. He, and, and, and you really get that sense from him when you see him in interviews now. Last time we talked about some of our favorite interviews and, you know, good ones, bad ones. And he's somebody that every time I've heard him do an interview, even with Howard Stern, he's so gracious about talking about the old stuff. Like with someone like Robert Plant, when he has a new album come out and someone asks him, you know, oh, I want to talk about, you know, Led Zeppelin 4 or whatever. He'll give you a, a brief answer and then kind of say, but I want to talk about the new album. Whereas McCartney is just he thrilled. Understands. He understands. Yep. And I think he also likes to sort of debunk some myths about all the stories that have gotten passed around over the years about how he and John may have written. Gosh, or- that one that just came out, the one, and I don't even want to talk about it, honestly, because it was talking about what what boys do when they're younger. The, the, did you not hear the story? No, which, which, which one is that? It was about uh, sexual self pleasing did you read that no i was like i could have lived my whole life without about hearing McCartney? this story yes oh with you know john what? lennon i saw a, yes okay i saw a headline about so it again i, I don't even want to say anymore but i was kind of like why would somebody interview you and somehow get to that point right right i think it was i can't remember which men's magazine it was it wasn't howard stern no but no, i, I was kind it was of yeah. stunned yeah, by yeah. it because i was like i could have lived my whole life with not right. knowing that it's like <laughs> yeah. really and truly i did see that headline i i you know oh. I, I did not read it intentionally 
casually. I was just like flipping yeah, just through stuff. Yeah, don't even because went, it's, you know, it's just kind of right, right. But that's the funny thing. He usually knows where to take about, it. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. And you know what? He's earned the right to not care at, at this point in his career too. He's earned the right to never have to tour again. He's right. You know, he certainly doesn't need the money and. He loves it. And I just looked at the set list of um, the tour just kicked off this week in Canada. He's doing his usual, you know, 35, 40 songs. And he's doing Come On To Me. He's doing For You. And I think he might be doing one other song from the new album. The rest of the set list are all Beatles, Wings, Solo. I mean, hits. Yeah. I mean, all, all it's amazing. familiar it's things that, yeah. that, you, that you're going to know. Although, in a way, normally you go see a classic artist and they say, oh, here's my new song. And you're like, oh, time to go to the bathroom. With him, I actually wish he were playing a few more of these new songs because I, I think it's that solid of an album. And there's a song on it. It's, it's called Despite Re- Repeated Warnings. And it's one of those epic, like, nine-minute-long <laughs> opuses that he's so good at. And it's the kind of song, like, it's got tempo changes and it's got the Muscle Shoals horn guys on it. But then once you think it's going in sort of that direction, then it shifts to more of a pop feel. And it's kind of all over the place. But when you think of how exceptional he is as a composer as well, and, and I think that's what's cool about this album, too. And the title of it, Egypt Station, it's actually from a painting of his that he did in the 80s. What's cool about the album, too, is it starts and it ends with these two instrumentals. But it sounds like you're in a train station. So it's sort of like this orchestral type of almost like an orchestra warming up, you know, but then like the clanging of being in a train station. And he very much wanted it to be every song almost feeling like a different stop at a state, you know, going oh, that's a journey. Cool, yeah. Like every stop along the journey was a different stop until you got to the end. Just the fact that he still thinks like that. <laughs> you know? Again, here's a guy who does not have to put that much effort right. into anything. Right. And yet is so committed. But you know that from, you talked to him, what, back in 93, was it? Yes, I've got to tell you what, it was the greatest interview. We talked last week about our favorite interviews mm-hmm. that I ever got to do because I loved him since I was a kid. My older brother, Joe, introduced me to the Beatles. And to know ahead of time, well ahead of time, because we've talked right. about how sometimes your boss will spring somebody on <laughs> yeah, you and right. they show up in the studio and you're like, oh, I didn't know I was going to talk to you. Hi, Paul McCartney. I knew weeks ahead of time, so I got to really try to – my biggest challenge was to ask something that maybe he hadn't been asked before. Which is always a challenge because yes. you know they've been asked pretty much everything and you hate to be the person to ask that same question for the 400th time. Exactly. Yeah. And the funny thing is you're exactly right that he – he doesn't have to be doing this. And he was so giving. He had a handler with him. And mm-hmm. I had somebody from the station with me. And we were sitting in two chairs just facing each other like knee to knee, literally <laughs> in these two chairs. And I was freaking I'll tell you what. We found some of the audio from it. Yeah. So I'll play a couple of little snippets for you. But this first one is from when he basically first walked into the room, sat down. It's live on the radio. They were shooting from a Marty unit, if you know anything about engineering. All I know is that we were in the bowels of the Georgia Dome, and the Georgia Dome, which is no longer, Mm -hmm. had just opened Mm -hmm. at the time. Atlanta Mm -hmm. doesn't keep things for long times. They just (laughs) knock them down and build something else, right? (laughs) So we're in the bowels of the Georgia Dome, somehow magically doing this live. And this is me with Paul McCartney, 1993. At last, Katie backstage with Paul McCartney. And as I'm kind of uh, shying away from you a little bit, I'm looking at your feet and noticing that I've never seen anybody wear sandals with socks. I was just wearing the flip-flops, you know, as we call them. But uh, it got a bit cold in the air conditioning, so I whacked a pair of socks on. This is a, a novel, groovy, grungy look. And let me look at the jacket. I noticed you and Linda were wearing these on stage. Yeah, these are the tour jackets go with all the paraphernalia. Are they available for people to purchase? 
No, these are just like for the crew. Ha ha. Oh boy. I'll tell you what, and I've got to really preface this interview with you because I can feel myself flushing. I just go way, way back with you. Some of my first memories of music in my life, which is so important, obviously, if I'm doing what I do. But I'm wondering how you handle, for instance, I saw you do the MTV interview with Martha Quinn. And did you hear what she said afterwards about that? You had left a cup of tea in the room and she had to take a sip of your tea after you had left. And she told the world this. Yeah, well, I want it back, Martha. Then I think about President Clinton or President of the United States who kind of fawns upon you. And I'm wondering how you handle this because really I know you're just a, a normal guy. Now, look, I don't know if he fawns upon me. I think somebody asked him once who his favorite Beatle was in the campaign and I, th I think that he happened to mention me. But uh, I think that's as far as it goes, really. But um, no, how do you handle it? I don't know, really. You just uh, pretend it's not happening, I suppose. You just think, well, you know, this is fame. This is the fame thing. And then when I have my time off, it's not like that. Do you live in Scotland? Is that where do you live? No, no. We have a farm in Scotland where we used to live. But no, because the kids, we we really didn't want the kids sort of being brought up as we Scottish kiddies. So we lived we uh, live in England, just south of London, actually. And the people that are around you every day, I guess, are just kind of over it. So it's amazing. You handle it beautifully, and you make us all feel very comfortable. So I appreciate that. But who do you feel that way about? Is there anybody in your life uh, that you've ever just been tongue-tied and didn't know what to say? Uh, no, I must admit, I've met a lot of my idols, you know, over the years. It used to be people like Little Richard, who I, I still love them and that, but I've met them, you know, like the other night I met Chuck Berry. They're my kind of favorite early rock and roll heroes. But um, I think the only one I was a bit tongue-tied with probably was Dylan, just because, you know, he's so sort of, you know, hey, man, and all that. But I don't mind. I mean, he, you know, he's not the kind of guy that you just talk a lot with. You just sort of hang and stuff. So it was good meeting him. But I must admit, yeah, I've fulfilled most of my ambitions in that in that way. That's 1993. I was talking to Paul McCartney, the, the, one of the greatest moments of my life to be sitting imagine. across from him. I can't imagine, actually, because, you know, he, he's talk about the bucket list. I mean, there are just a few people left on mine and people I've never talked to. And to not only get to interview him, but to sit <gasps> knee to knee. I know. I mean, and then know? isn't that interesting who he said? kind of get, got him tongue-tied because Dylan. nobody doesn't act stupid around McCartney. You saw James Corden right. like crying. Right, right? I know. Jimmy I Fallon's know. like crying. Yeah. It's like you see this man and you've seen he's so much of a part of your life right. and he's so used to it. That's the thing. He kind of when he responds... He knows that everybody's hanging on every word, right. and he's very aware, you know? Yeah, you could, you could tell. That's what I kind of got from him. I thought that he's it's very well planned, and but, it, but he also makes you feel like you're one in a million, you're the only person in the room, and it's a very great trait. And that's, again, for a guy who has, I mean, I know this was, you know, going back 25, 25 years or something. I can't believe yeah, it's, it's been, been 25 long. years, hasn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, but, you know, for a guy who has talked to a million people in his life, to still, you know, make eye contact with you. I'm assuming he made eye contact with you. Oh, heck yes. I was freaking out. I and to still, to. you know, like you say, sitting knee to knee. And, you know, you teased him about wearing socks and sandals, you know, when he when he came in the room and stuff. It's because I was looking down. I couldn't look at his eyes. <laughs> he sat down and I just kind of went, huh? And then I'm like, oh, my God, he's wearing black socks and sandals. <laughs> you know, in a couple of weeks, we can talk about uh, Bradley Cooper and the Star is Born and my recent interview with him. And so you want to talk about looking in somebody's eyes and going, oh, oh my God, I can't look at you. I mean, but no, I know it's. It's really like an unnerving kind of thing in a, in a way because you are like, oh, my God, they actually are listening to me or they're focused on me. or And it's Paul McCartney. <laughs> I could say to him right now, how, how long did you talk you. to him? With me. Well, you know, that's the funny thing. that you, I could see the girl trying to wind it up. And he was just right. so – he was so – acted like he would sit the rest of the afternoon. It was 
over a half an hour. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. a that's a yeah. great interview. I mean, yeah. that's a substantial amount of time. It wasn't like some quick. Radio, oh no, not at all. You know, here's he our here's our sound and, bite and go kind of thing. Yeah, 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 it was really great. And the show that night, I can still remember. I can remember that old piano, that upright piano mm-hmm. with all the magical mystery magical Tory mystery looking Tory, stuff yep. on it, and played again like thirty five songs. I actually went back and checked out the set list, and when you see the encore that night, band on the run, uh-huh. wings, right. The Beatles, I saw her standing there, which is my favorite old Beatles song, because mm-hmm. that rocks out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that song is so rocking. If somebody put that out today, you'd be like, holy cow. And, and not Tiffany. <laughs> Seriously? Yes, correct. <laughs> and then it ends with Hey Jude, because it's the greatest sing-along song well, that's ever. Gonna you be, know? Yeah, exactly. It, well, it's, it, I mean, The Long and Winding Road is a nice sing-along, too, but not like a set ending kind of you know, right. sing-along. Hey, hey Jude, Jude is over, because that's where right? the confetti's going to come in <laughs> and everything else. And, and yeah, and you know, I'm, I, you know, I went to that tour as well in 93. I wasn't I wasn't living here at the time. I want to say I was it was in Miami when when I saw that same show. And he's a kind of person who can make a stadium feel intimate. Yes. You know, and it's again, very... it's just it's a fun communal experience because everybody there knows every song and everybody is up and dancing and you know, it's one of those few shows that you're not annoyed by everybody around you. <laughs> like, you are actually enjoying the experience. And I love the fact that last year when he played Atlanta because our uh, main arena Philip was Phillips Arena now, State Farm Arena, has been undergoing like a two-year transformation, and it was closed last summer and now this summer, and it reopens in October. But it was closed last summer, and that was the only time he had to play here. So he had to play our smaller arena in Gwinnett, the Infinite Energy Arena, which only holds about 11,000 people. And I remember when the show was announced, there were people like, oh, what's he playing there for? It's so far from Atlanta. You know, first of all, it's like 20 minutes. I know it takes two hours sometimes in traffic, <laughs> but but it's a beautiful venue. It's, it's a lovely place. It really is. And also, I was like, same with you too. You two played there in May yeah. for the same reason because there was no place else for them to play. But I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you want to see them in a smaller and more intimate location? Because where else, when else are you going to see Paul McCartney, unless you were at that Liverpool show or Grand Central right. Station, with only 11,000 people instead of 50,000 people? I love that show so much. My, one of my good friends from Richmond drove down to go see him with me because she just adores him too. And we had a really good time, even though we were on the floor. And, you know, I'm only like 5'3"-ish, so <laughs> seeing over everybody's heads was kind of a challenge part of the night. But even that, you know, you look at the video screens and you realize you're only, you know, what, maybe 100 feet away from Paul McCartney. And it's just such a special feeling that he's able to bring out when he gets on stage. You know, I mean, we, we go to a lot of shows. Yes. And, and, you know, there's still that feeling for me anyway when the lights go down. You get that surge of excitement or adrenaline or whatever. With McCartney, it's almost like you have to, like, almost take a deep breath, like, Wow. You know, no matter how many times you've seen him, it's still Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, and he surrounds himself. This is what's so smart about these artists that have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. They have really exciting band members. Yes. Like they don't they don't stick out. They don't detract no. from him. But they're so good. Solid. They're such great players. Yeah. His drummer. This is funny. So that show I was just telling you about at Infinite Energy last year, the day before McCartney was playing there, Bonnie Raitt and James Taylor were performing. Uh, so I was back at the soundboard because sometimes I take photos at shows too because I'm like my own one-man band sometimes. For the and, paper, yeah. Right, exactly. So I'm standing back at the soundboard waiting you know, for that show to begin. And I see these guys like just a row or two in front of the soundboard that 
looked like rock stars. You know what I mean? There's just something with the hair, with the something. And you're looking at them and you're like, Those, that looks like somebody, but I don't know who it is. There were three of them. And I thought, I, you know, and I'm asking some people like, who is that? Who is that? And, you know, and I was like, I don't know. You know, they do look kind of familiar. And then I see this other guy kind of come walking down the aisle and start to move in. And, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's, you know, dark skin, bald. And I'm looking at him and I went, oh, my God, that's Abe Laboreal Jr. That's Paul McCartney's drummer. Okay. You know me well enough. And also, I think you're the same way. We're not really like fangirls screaming. Well, Paul McCartney would be another story. But you know what I mean? For <laughs> yes. the most part. We, you know, we, we see people all the time and it's like, oh, that's cool. Hey, how are you? Yes. We love your music. Move on. Whatever. Even when we saw Cher at Greg Allman's funeral, yes. <laughs> we, were, we were pretty well behaved. But I turned into like, you would have thought I was a 14-year-old at One Direction four years ago. I mean, I, I actually went up to him, which I never do. And I said... You're Abe Laboreal Jr. <laughs> and he said, well, why, yes, I am. <laughs> I know. And he said, he said, yes, I am. And I said, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. And I felt like such a dork. And I totally turned into this fangirl around him because, well, I play the drums. So I, I'm not sure if we talked about that last week. But yeah, actually. I'm playing the drums. Well, I haven't in a while, but I've been playing since I was 12. So and, and, you know, and he's somebody that I always watch the drummer in bands. That's just sort of naturally where my eye goes. And he's such and not only is he an amazing drummer, but he's got a beautiful voice. And to hear his background vocals on so many of these McCartney songs. Yeah. And, you know, we just had a quick little exchange or whatever. And he was sort of like, OK, lady, I don't know who you are. <laughs> go and hang with the other. But, you know, it was the rest. Of, it was the rest of McCartney's band that was there. I mean, so the whole band had come out that night. And I did say like, oh, you know, you guys got into he said we got into town early, a day early. And I was like, oh, is Paul here? <laughs> and he said, no, he was coming in the next day. But, you know, they heard that the show was happening at the same venue and they figured they, you know, were able to get tickets, obviously, get hooked up. And and they just decided to come out and see the show. That's so cool. And I thought it was cool that, A, they were checking out, you know, another couple musicians. But then and also that they were just sitting in the crowd. I mean, I went up to them. You know, I mean, yes. it wasn't like they were prancing around going, hey, look at us. We're Paul McCartney's no, band. No, but, but they have to love that, too. They probably, yes. you know. I hope so, because that's the thing. When you're in Paul McCartney's band, you're not the one that people are looking right. at most of the time. <laughs> but you're right, though. I mean, they They're they so are good. so good. And seeing them on that Corden special when they did that Liverpool, that special Liverpool yep. gig, they can flip from anything. I mean, they can they can go from any type of music that they could do. And I'm sure that's why Paul loves them because, you know, I know. But but this interview that you had with him, I mean, you guys, you talked about we a talked lot about of things. You were talking for a half an hour. Yeah, I mean, we did. We talked about, see, for him at the time, he didn't have a new album. The new album was the Liverpool Oratorio oh, that boy, he wrote. Yeah. That was a totally different yeah. thing. Like, he's not going to play oratorio music at his right. concert, right? <laughs> he's not so Sting. He, he wasn't promoting <laughs> it, but I made sure to buy it. And, <laughs> right, just so and you could talk so, to him about yeah, it. Because yeah, because they yeah. always want to talk about of what course. they're doing then. But... I did have to say, I thought this was the question to ask him. He didn't quite get exactly what I wanted because <laughs> I was thinking, what if like way in the future, you know, somebody that although you're never going to live as long as there's life on Earth, people will know who the Beatles are, yeah. I believe. Although I did meet a friend's girlfriend who didn't know who the four Beatles were. And I was what? like, she's like 42 years what? old. Get Teach her. I was just, <laughs> what is she, good. seven? Seriously. I mean, 42. Yes, no kidding. Um, Where does but, she live? <laughs> exactly. My point is that's just like naming the yeah. first president right. you know i thought to ask him a question where i really got an answer that surprised me because i couldn't believe i got him to sing something that we had never heard before to get paul mccartney to sing in front of you katie <laughs> you've just like you, you've just trumped every interview i have ever done in I, my tried career. To, I tried to just sit there and listen now, this is from 1993 again at the georgia dome backstage or under the stage with paul mccartney if you were to for yourself not for your audience and not for your family or not pick your greatest hits like if you're going to put together just if you would never have anything else uh, name a few that would be on it like a record to take to a desert island or something of mine or to maybe play for 
somebody that would never have heard you and just to think of the things that you're proudest of over all the years? Well, I'd, I'd put some of the obvious ones in there just because they've been so lucky for me. I mean, yesterday I would put in there just because I think it's a complete little song and also I dreamed it. I completely just woke up one morning with that song in my head and I still don't know how I did it. I suppose I'd just been, you know, into music for so long that my mind just formed that song. So like, and that that's like um, the most played song since they've been playing songs. I mean, it's just went through six million, I think, this year. I think they're just about to announce it's been played six million times. So I'd have to include that. I'd include some silly songs like Why Don't We Do It In The Road. I love it. Just because that's wild and um, you know my name, look up the number, which even though it's more John than me, I'd have to include that just because that's wacky. I'd go through here, there and everywhere, Eleanor Rigby, Fool on the Hill and Let It Be and some of those songs. But I'd also just have some little kind of baby songs that I haven't recorded anywhere that are just family songs. When the kids were growing up, the kind of little things you sort of sing them and to put them to sleep. No. No. no, not really. But I, I can't sort of, you know, there's one we used to do with James when he was little. Listen, I'm, I mean, I look like a total goofball. No, you won't. Nobody's looking at you except me. You promise no one's listening? I promise nobody's looking. Let's promise. With Just don't years. think about them listening. That's a promise. Um, now, what, what did we sing? We said, oh, my God, no, this is terrible. Um, who's the little baby in the easy chair? Mr. Deedy, Deedy, Deedy. Oh, come on, this is madness. You'll have me drummed out of the profession. That's wonderful. Now, we used to have one about James, because his head, you know, when babies are little and their heads wobble around, we used to have this song, Mr. Wibble Wobble. He's Mr. Wibble Wobble, boom, boom, boom. Oh, don't. Don't start me on this. There's three hours of these. Okay, I'm exceptionally jealous of all of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Even though it was 25 years ago, it does not matter. 25 years ago. Well, you can tell my voice is higher. It is a little higher. Funny? That's funny how, how everybody's voices change. But I think it was also years, higher because right? it was like somebody was pinching me. I'm like, I'm sitting across from Bob McCartney. And as I'm sure happens to you sometimes as my friends tease me whenever something, whenever I'm trying to say something either excited or, or I'm nervous, my voice kind of does this a little bit too. <laughs> so. Do you know what's funny is they wouldn't, I, I wish now that I had just said, here, let's take a picture. Although back 25 years ago, you didn't have the camera phones. But you had to have an actual camera. Yeah. yeah. But the handler was like, no pictures, yes. no autographs. Yes. Just the two of you, you know, the person that was kind right. of my handler. But but think of it, it this way, Katie. Just but like I always in, have this. I was say, just in the old, like the old days of going to concerts, you have it in your memory bank. That's and true. That's and on tape. At least and when you tape. get to that's do true. an interview. That's right. Yes. And so you get to hear it here on our podcast. And you know what? We are two girls talking. Katie Kylie with my buddy, Melissa Ruggieri. And if you want to ask questions or even have an idea for a podcast that you'd like to hear us talk more about, because we both have talked to a lot of people in music and it's really our favorite thing in the world, you can go to twogirls11 at gmail.com to email us. We'd love to hear from you on that. And make sure you subscribe. Make sure to subscribe to us. We're, we'll be here every week. We're not we sure what we're talking football. about yet. We have to, I know. Next week, we don't know what we're talking about because we knew we wanted to talk about Paul McCarty. But we have to do football picks again next week. I didn't do so well last week. You, I did. You did fine. I did okay. Yeah. I did okay. Yeah. And I did worse. <laughs> but in my pool, I did. I tied this week. So anyway, I sh we shouldn't talk about gambling, should we? We can talk about gambling. We can talk about anything we want to talk about. I guess you're right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> two girls talking. Subscribe. And again, our email address, twogirls11 at gmail.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.